Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. I am joined by Harold and Daryl Monk from Wise Eye Technology. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well, thanks for asking. Doing good, thanks. It is, uh, you know, we were just talking. Uh, show season is quickly approaching, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to, uh, excited to get out. And uh, you know, a lot of the earlier season uh, shows were were canceled, if if not most of them, all of them. But uh, you know, we didn't get to go to Shot Show, didn't get to go to to ATA or Dallas Safari or or any of those shows. And so, I'm excited to get back on the road, see some of my friends I never get to see, and. Uh, have a good time shooting some of these events. Uh, what all events you guys got lined up in the next few months? Well, we've got uh, the Texas Trophy Hunter in uh, Texas. That's three shows. Uh, we've got the World Deer Expo in Birmingham, um, Buckmaster in uh, Montgomery, and uh, a show in Lakeland, Florida. Not you know, Bucks and Bills or Bucks and Beards? Bucks and Beards maybe or something down in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, show season is 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 here, and uh, I'm excited. We uh, we've got some some mountain archery fest events we're going to be at, and we've got some total archery challenge events we're going to be at, and of course the Pope and Young Convention is going to be a, a, an absolute blast. And uh, you know we're going to be doing some live podcasts from these type of events, and so it's going to be a good time. I'm uh, I was actually kind of working on my my live podcast schedule earlier today, and we've got some some awesome guests lined up to come on uh, during some of those events. So going to be a good time. But it does kind of stink being away from the family uh, all that time. Now, uh, before we jump in, you guys, uh, give me an introduction to yourselves. Uh, give me an introduction to Wise Eye Technology. Uh, you guys, if you spent any time at all listening to this show, uh, then you know I'm a fan of Wise Eye, and uh, and I love getting messages. I got a message, gentlemen. You guys will appreciate this. Uh, I got a message, an email um, from a guy, and I didn't know who he was, and and he said, "Well, hey man, I want you to know that." Uh, I was in the market for a cellular camera and uh, heard you talk about WiseEye, and so I got one. And uh, he said, I've been incredibly pleased with it, so thank you so much. And I'm like, well, thank them, not me, because they're the ones that make the technology. So, <laughs> well, great. But, uh, before we jump in, give us a, an introduction to yourselves and to WiseEye. Great. Well, my name is Harold Monk. I um, uh, was along with my brother Daryl and son-in-law and uh, a daughter and a nephew uh, and, uh, and dad, we're wise eye. Um, we started this business or started experimenting um, back in 2010. So we've been doing this for almost 11 years, um, uh, basically to find out what the limits are on animal recognition. We actually started building animal recognition components and software back in, two, uh, in 2012. Um, uh, as a kind of a, as a bet or as a, uh, that you can't do it. And, um, so we, we threw the, we, we took the, um, the challenge and, uh, and we always say as, um, uh, you, you can't really challenge two Cajuns about doing something. Um, uh, when they said we couldn't do it, you know, we're the guys who make this, makes the, uh, uh, statement of hold my beard and watch this, you know. Um, <laughs> so we we set out to prove that yes, you can um, control animals with feeders. Basically, um, in other words, if y'all want to feed a deer, then it would only feed a deer. It wouldn't feed a hog. It wouldn't feed a coon. 
And to do that, you had to have some type of recognition to know what animal's there to be able to do that. So we, we actually started on this road way before anybody else started with animal recognition. So um, uh, we proved that point. Um, then we said, now what we're going to do with it after, the, after we proved that we can use it, the next possible step was to build a camera. And we started down the road of, can you build a camera that would just take a picture and only send deer pictures? Um, and you could. We actually built a camera from using Amazon, believe it or not, parts and a 3D printer. We built probably the world's first camera that would take a picture and only send the deer pictures. It would just erase any coon picture, and but only send deer pictures. But the challenge we had with that was that the technology was there, but the electronics and the power to operate those electronics was too, too great. In other words, you would have to have bigger batteries to run that processor. It's pretty much having a mini computer in the cell camera. So it worked great if you had a car battery out there by the tree with the camera. It worked fine. It, <laughs> it would just send you deer pictures, and that, that was all you'd come to your phone. So we thought that was a great idea. But the problem is we couldn't harness enough power to do that. And um, so Daryl said, well, why don't we just send all the pictures to the software instead of putting the um, software on the cameras and put it in the cloud. So Jason, my son-in-law, and my and Daryl got together and they built this kind of this hub control system that's in the cloud to where the camera sends the picture to the cloud and then the hub control then does all the sorting stuff. So we've gone back to um, using uh, technology that's already there in the cloud and, and using it to sort the pictures and then use the analytical data behind those pictures. And that's what's exciting that's coming up uh, that you will see in the hunt control is all this data. Uh, why do we use trail cameras? You're looking for data, really. I mean, it, you might not write it in an Excel spreadsheet, but when you flip through the pictures, you're, you're, you're collecting data in your mind. When is the deer there? Was it raining? Was it cold? You know, um, and you you put this in your mind as you flipping through these pictures. So, but when you're doing you know 100 pictures, that's one thing. But when you having to do 10,000 pictures, is something else. So, we built Hunt Control to do this for you, and all this analytical data um, is being compiled in Hunt Control from these cameras. So, one thing we had to do is build one re serious, robust camera. We we tried with other companies. Um, we wanted to build the best camera out there. Um, we built it to where it probably will work where most cell cameras will not work. And that's where we've uh, really been uh, uh, successful with the camera. And then Hunt Control, of course, makes it all uh, work very well together. Now, I will say that. That was my my biggest issue. My biggest issue with the camera at first. Um, I love the way it functioned. I love the pictures I was getting. Um, I actually got a picture of a hawk taking a, a squirrel off the ground and, uh, just a, a phenomenal picture. And I was like, good Lord, these are awesome. Um, now battery life was an issue. Right. I was like, well, man, uh, you know, some of these, some of my leases might be an hour away. Some are in different States and, uh, you know, battery life was an issue. Uh, but you guys solved that with the solar panel. And uh, and now now it's just a, a functioning um, unit that is unstoppable. Right. Well, one, there's there's some several things that uh, that people use the camera incorrectly. Um, uh, there's there's some settings in there that are a little misleading to the to the the, the, the user. And one of the things is the that, dumb rednecks. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, I'd be quite, remember we're, <laughs> we're, we're we're Cajuns down here, so we got to use a lot of pictures ourselves. <laughs> um, so, um, we, we found that a lot of people misinterpret the, the instant daily and they put their cameras on instant and, um, uh, it runs the batteries down three times faster than normal, probably three to four times faster than normal. Um, because it, the camera never turns off. It's more of a security camera at that point. 
the, the, the camera automatically sends the picture as soon as they're taken. You're going to get the picture within 30 seconds, probably, of when the picture was taken on your phone. So that has nothing to do with the instant and daily. It's how do you communicate with that camera. For instance, if you want to be able to kick between videos and pictures in an instant time, you can do that within an instant mode, but it has nothing to do with how it sends pictures to you. So a lot of the people who call us going, hey, my battery's only lasted, you know, three weeks or four weeks, we can usually sit um, and look on their account and going, I think you got your camera on instant. And they went, yes, we want pictures instantly. And we say, well, you get those automatically. That's not what we want to do. Put it on daily to where now, if you want to change it from video to um, pictures, you know, it will happen at midnight when the camera will call one time a day in to reset itself. So once we have that set, the cameras operate pretty much uh, like any other camera getting anywhere from four to 6,000 pictures per set of batteries. And of course, yeah. that, that depends on a lot of things. Like if they're all taken at night, you know, you might get 3,000 pictures. If they're all taken at day, you may get 8,000 pictures. So it really depends on some other environments around there. Cold weather affects them. You don't get as many pictures as the hot, uh, as the hot cameras do. So but you should average anywhere from four to six thousand pictures if your camera is set on on the daily mode to check in once once a day. Yeah, no, I, I learned that pretty quick uh, after <laughs> my first after my first couple trips. I'm like, all right, there's got to be something I'm missing, and uh, there's got to be something wrong here. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what I'm excited about, and I'm not sure how you guys did it, uh, but you did it. Um, you know, I've got places in 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 Oklahoma and in Texas that we hunt and. Uh, you can't feed because of hogs. Um, so, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, end up having to build a fence entirely around their feeder. So hogs can't jump over it, but deer can. And, uh, but if you don't live at the property and uh, you only get out there, you know, a, a couple times a year, uh, those hogs will have that fence broken and, and destroyed. And so, uh, I, I'm excited about that feeder, man. Uh, you know, I saw, I saw videos of the hogs getting shocked and stuff, and I'm like, I don't know how they do it, but they do it. You know, <laughs> I don't know how they've come up with it, but they've come up with it. Yeah, we we uh, we definitely enjoy the feeders. Uh, we we definitely enjoy watching the feeders and watching the hogs and coons get shocked. That's it's a joy to see that actually. So, um, I, I, as bad as that sounds, it's it makes us happy to see them get shocked. Um, the feeders are, are, are coming. They're on our list. Uh, we've been very busy with the cameras. Um, the cameras have, have really uh, been, been doing well, and uh, we are going to take some time in the, in the near future and make the feeders again and bring them back on board. And uh, we're excited about the feeders and uh, getting them out there in the market so we can uh, feed some deer and shock some, uh, shock some hogs. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, because that's what, you know, the, the appealing part to me with a cellular camera, um, especially a cellular camera with a solar panel was those out of state properties. Um, you know, sometimes you can't get to Oklahoma or Texas or Arkansas or Missouri uh, to check your cameras. Um, but being able to check them on that app is just, it's a game changer. And, and now you've made it to where I don't have to worry about my feeders and I don't have to worry about, you know, Hogs, I mean, because a hogs will empty out a feeder in a night easily. Right. And, uh, if they're not ones that are going off automatically. And so, and if they are ones that are going off automatically, hogs will become so over dominant of those feeders that your deer aren't coming there anyhow. Um, so, so really, man, hats off to you guys. Uh, great products, great, great design, great work. Um, now let's dive in a little bit. Um, you know, now that we've talked to the Wise Eye products, run me through just a little bit of general like tips and tricks for um, for trail cameras and how you guys get the best pictures, how you set them up to get the best pictures. Um, you know, just just little things you do to ensure that that not only battery life is going to be sufficient, but but you're getting the most out of your your camera. Well, one thing we one thing we see a lot is when people buy a camera, you know, the first thing they do is they slap slap batteries in it and all the cards and they run out there and they pull it on a tree with the strap and pull the strap tight. And, um, then they, they call saying, Hey, they miss, they're missing some pictures. They had a, 
they had a rabbit under the, under the tree or something and it didn't take pictures. But people need to understand that cameras are built uh, or made specifically to be pointed down at a 15 degree angle. Most people don't know that. So they'll strap the camera to the tree and it actually creates a dead spot at about 15 feet away from the camera because the solar, the sensor is shooting over the target at 15 feet. Um, uh, so uh, as a general rule of thumb, pretty much all trail cameras need to be pointed down anywhere from 10 to 15 degree angle at the target. Be about, be about the, the optimal height for that is about six foot, uh, about eye level, um, and turn down at, uh, at about 10 to 15 degrees. Then you pretty much uh, will catch any movement in that area. Uh, uh, if it's flat, some of your, your infrared moving, you'll, you'll pick up a lot of negative pictures because you're shooting a little higher in the trees and leaves on a high um, uh, sensitive uh, IR will set itself off because your sensors are too high. So uh, if your cameras are taking a lot of pictures, point them down because your sensor uh, is, is shooting too high, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Another another uh, thing that we, we are always asked about is blurry pictures at night. Um, usually cameras, and ours is included, uh, when they build these cameras, they usually come with three different settings, and ours is the same thing. And it has to do with the aperture speed at night. Um, whether you want to shoot, let's say you're, you're, you're in, a, in a, um, a, a, a bean field situation or a corn field, and your deer probably going to be 50, 60 feet away. Um, once you get your camera pointed down at 10 degrees, and then um, you, what they want uh, is you, you want to set your um, uh, infrared system to what they call, usually if you look on the camera, it does say high, medium, or low. You want to set it on high, which means I want to concentrate the beam of infrared straight out at about 60 feet. And I'm going to slow the aperture down a little bit to collect more light because I'm going to think the animal that I'm taking a picture of is out there at least, you know, say, 30 or 40 feet. So the aperture stays open longer to gather more light. So with that setting, if a deer comes within 10 to 20 feet of your camera, he's probably going to blur a little bit because you've told the camera my target's going to be out there about 40 feet. Then if you said, let's go to the other extreme, so you put it on low, what happens is that the infrared lights, instead of shooting a tunnel of light, it, it throws a very broad light source. It's looking for an animal, say, within 20 feet or closer to the camera, and the aperture speeds up because it has more light, so therefore you get more, uh, you get less blur of the animal, but if the deer is out there at 20 feet, He's going to look up kind of like, I mean, beyond 20 feet, it's going to be kind of a darker, you know, outline. You know, if you've ever seen those pictures, the deer's too far. It just kind of looks, you see eyes. So that's a low setting. And then there's a medium setting. It's kind of, it's kind of, that's what normal cameras are. It's kind of, you know, it's going to kind of, the aperture is not going to be as fast, but it's going to be, uh, it's usually around uh, 60 um, uh, uh, speed per second. And, what it does, it, it, it eliminates some blur, but it gives you some distance. So it's kind of in the middle there. So if you're getting blurry pictures with your animals close, go back to your camera and set it on the low setting. And if you're getting deer that are out there at distance, then you probably need to reset your camera. And all pretty much the cameras have this to where you can focus your infrared light further out at 80 feet and to where the aperture will slow down. You can actually see what's out there. We, we get that question all the time. Now, I don't know if I can use everybody with that, but there, you know, if you're getting blurry pictures, um, uh, set your camera back to low, which would, which will probably speed that aperture up and take care of some of those blurry pictures for you. Now that is a, that's a great tip. And, uh, you know, for a lot of people, you know, my background is in videography and photography. So, that was kind of, I don't want to say common sense, but it was a learned uh, thing. But, you know, some people, they don't know any of that that type of stuff. So so great tip uh, for sure because, you know, some of these old boys, you talk about apertures and you talk about shutter speeds and they're like, dude, I pressed the button on my camera phone and it takes a, a picture. 
and uh, that's all I do. And uh, I understand that. Um, now, when it comes to placing a camera to get that that optimal, um, you know, distance uh, to where your deer are hopefully going to be coming down uh, a trail or you know a field edge or whatever, um, wh- how do you go about placing your camera to get that kind of optimal distance? You talking about at night or in the daytime? Um, happy medium. Let's go with that. Well, like you said before, five foot, five to six foot off the ground, five to ten degree angle is optimal performance for most, especially ours, but most motion sensors on cameras. Um, that's the way they're designed, and not many people know that. I, I don't know if you've been running cameras a long time, and I'm sure all of your listeners have. You've always strapped a camera to a tree, and you put a stick behind it. Do you do you even know why you put a stick behind it? Nobody. It's just something that everybody does, you know. And everybody thinks they're putting a stick behind the camera because it's a better angle to catch the deer. Well, it don't have anything to do with that. It has to do with the motion sensor itself. So that's the reason I think where the stick came from. Everybody does it and don't know why they do it, but that's why it's done. So. Keep in mind that optimal performance for your camera to get the optimal performance out of it. You need to do it what, you know, that, that the motion sensor is designed to do. And that's five to six foot off the ground at a five to 10 degree angle toward the ground. And that's going to be the best performance for a happy medium for anything. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I already, the name of this podcast is hunting one-on-one. Uh, it's, it, my my desire for this podcast is to teach and inspire and, and help grow sportsmen and outdoorsmen and, and hunters and, and bow hunters. And, and I already have learned um, something from this podcast, which is good. Um, I, I love that. I love that, that you guys have, have, have given me information uh, that will help produce better pictures, better, better. And if it produces better pictures and I don't miss the animals, uh, like you said, I would, uh, like you said, guys claim they do. If I don't miss those animals, um, then ultimately it'll make me more successful in the woods because I'll be able to better pattern, uh, those deer. So, so great, great tip, great advice. Um, you know, a lot of people, this is a super easy tip. Um, but you still get guys that, that don't know it. And, and it's just, don't point your camera in a direction directly east or west. Uh, because then at sunset or sunrise, Absolutely. Uh, you're going you're gonna to get rough pictures, uh, real rough. Um, now I always, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of setting my cameras. Um, well, I can't say if I can, you know, some properties don't allow for it, but if I can, I like to set my cameras back in the woods, uh, where the sun's never going to be shining directly on them at, at any point from any angle, uh, because there's, there's shade cover. Um, and, and I find the best pictures back in the woods. Now, sometimes, you know, I need a camera out on a field edge and, uh, and that's fine, but, but just try to, to point it, to point it north or south. Don't point it east or west, uh, because then at sunrise or sunset, you're going to get some really rough pictures. Um, my friend, uh, I can't call him a friend. I don't know him at all. Um, never talked to him before, but, uh, Mark Kenyon, uh, put out a, a, a tip on trail cameras and, and, uh, you know, he said, put it right on a, right on a hanging limb. Um, and, and you know, right on the tree that the hanging limb is on and you'll get some incredible photos. And I did that last year and, uh, that got me some really cool photos, uh, of some bucks gnawing on a hanging limb. And, and, uh, that was, that was a, a pretty cool, just, just quick tip. Hey, try this, uh, because you'll get those bucks cruising by and, and, uh, and, and really turned out some, some cool pictures that way. I'll tell you something else that we, we, uh, a cool, a cool trick for your listeners is we get the question all the time. Do I need an AT&T camera? Do I need a Verizon camera? Um, you know, that, 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 you know, I have a Verizon phone. Do I need a Verizon camera? Um, that's, you know, the cameras are independent from your personal cell service. So when you go to your camp, there's a free app. It's called Open Signal. And it's spelled uh, O P N. I mean O P E N S I G N A L. Open Signal. It's a free app. And what this does is, when you go to your camp, you can walk up to the tree that you're going to think you're going to put the camera in, and open this app, and it will tell you standing right there 
what signal you're getting for AT&T, what's the signal you're getting for Verizon. So it, it compares, so you will know in your hunting area what cameras you need to get based on the signal that's in your area, not necessarily what type of phone you use. What is, um, what's the coolest picture that you guys have ever been sent from one of your cameras? So the one you sent us last year was probably way up there. Um, nice. That, that, that hawk catching the squirrel was, uh, no, that was DJ sent that. Oh, DJ? Yeah. Okay. I thought, I thought Dylan, I thought it was Dylan. No, it was DJ sent that. That, that was probably the, uh, the hawk that caught the squirrel was flying. That's pretty good. We've got some great pictures of bobcats that are just now. Unless you, unless you got two, unless you got two, that was my picture uh, no, that a, I sent in. Okay. That was Dylan's picture. Okay. Um, but we've had some, uh, we've had some uh, nice uh, cats, uh, some weighing uh, close to 160 pounds. Um, uh, beautiful animals. Um, uh, we had uh, last year a couple uh, male, uh, two deer went after each other. Uh, it was, we had a white tail and a fallow deer, an axis deer, uh, with their heads down at each other, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, that that white tail deer was fixed to take on a 400 pound axis. <laughs> but he, awesome. he, he, he was, he was determined that was going to be his feeder, but that was a, that was a very good. <laughs> If you go to our website, I think uh, we have uh, on Wiseye Tech uh, or WiseyeSmartCam.com, we have a wall of fame that we do post uh, uh, pictures that people send, and they're, they're, some of the, they're some of our best that we receive, we put on there. I'm going there right now. Yeah, we as actually, as we talk, thinking about it, the ATA show, all the pictures, because we've got some absolutely fabulous pictures, some sunsets with deer in the background, and we have some. We have one. One that you just see the silhouette and uh, of the deer. He's he's massive, and uh, you just see his horns in the sunset. That's all you see. So we we it's like he's like somebody set that picture up. But no, it's it's these cameras take some some deep color uh, pictures. They're not your normal trail camera pictures. Now and, we'll say this. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys do have another picture of a hawk taking a squirrel, and it's a better one than mine. So they went. Oh, okay, okay. DJ just had one. Yeah, I said we we like I said we're also we're actually going to try to uh, make a calendar out of these pictures for the ATA show next year. That'd and, be cool. Uh, have a, a calendar with the the top twelve pictures that we that we think make the calendar. Um, uh, with the snow pictures in the wintertime and stuff like that. I mean, just some of the pictures we're getting uh, are, uh, I'm, I'm blown away when I see them. I look at that picture going, there's no way a trail camera took this. Um, yeah. And it's what, what's, what's amazing. It's the quality that goes to your phone uh, is that clear. It's not a grainy picture. And uh, that's what we're more proud of with these cameras in this system than anything is, you don't ever have to go to that camera to get to see the pictures. You get the clarity that you need and never have to go um, intrude on that buck's territory until you're ready to hunt him. Now, I do. I did make the wall, though. Uh, one of my photos is on here. Oh, um, really? One, one of the giants I was hunting this year here in Kansas um, made the wall, and, and that was a cool story. Um, that's actually the exact place. Uh, where the hog was taking the squirrel, hawk, oh. hawk was taking the squirrel, and uh, and I got those pictures um, like a day apart, and uh, and oh. and I sent them both in, and and I do think the the hawk and the and the squirrel was on this uh, wall at some point, but uh, but it got beat out by the other one because it's way better. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that that giant um, man, it was a heartbreaking story. I uh, I was sitting there and uh, middle of the rut. And I just see horns, and I hadn't seen the the deer yet. And I wow. thought, Good Lord Almighty, that's the deer. And uh, and he was at forty yards, and he was just his whole body was behind a, behind a, a set of trees, and all I could see was his horns outside that tree. And uh, so I draw back, and uh, I'm like, Dude, he takes one step, and he's dead. 
and uh, so I'm I'm at full draw for a good 15 seconds. So I let down, and I'm thinking, man, he's munching on something right there. And so I let down, and he goes to take a step forward, and so I draw back. And just as he goes to take a step forward, a hot doe runs by, and he just bolts after the other way. And I'm like, no. I've been hunting this deer for three years now. He was at 40 yards, half a step, and he, and he had already started to take the step. And, uh, and, and, uh, a, a hot doe ran by and I, I just, oh, I was sick to my stomach, but, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a giant and he's on this wall, um, here. Well, so, well, you know, you know, we're, we're no, comp- we're, we can't compete with a hot doe. I mean, you know, it's just, it's no, just, sir, we can't. That's the way it goes. You know, I mean, you, we see these pictures, Daryl and I, during hunting season last year, would sit and look at these pictures that are coming in of these massive deer. And we just look at each other. I mean, yeah, for some, when we hunt, um, uh, if we kill a four point, we tie it to the front of the truck and drive it around town. Um, now, where are you guys at? We're, we're kind of in southern Louisiana. Our, our deer herd here is not, uh, I guess the DNA of our whitetail are not that strong. Uh, you're not telling me anything, man. I grew up in Arkansas and, uh, you know, I actually hunted, the deer camp we hunted was only about five miles from Louisiana. Um, if that at some, at some parts, I mean, uh, we used to always joke and say this deer, the deer I shot could have ran into Louisiana and, uh, you know, just, just small deer. And, uh, you know, I remember, I remember when I moved to Kansas, I went out hunting with a buddy and it wasn't my property. And, uh, you know, I was just a visitor. And so this deer comes out probably one thirty-five, and, uh, and I go to, to get my bow off the hook. My buddy says, what are you doing, dude? And I'm like, what do you mean? I got to shoot this one. <laughs> I'm like, it's a stinking giant. And he says, dude, you're not in Arkansas anymore. You're not shooting that deer. And I'm like, what? Like, what have I got myself into? And then I remember just seeing does and I'm like, that's bigger than any buck I've ever seen. I'm like, that thing's a giant. And uh, I think the first doe I ever shot here in Kansas weighed, um, weighed like 220 pounds. And, uh, and I was just like, what? Like I'm, I'm sitting behind this doe just mesmerized because I grew up my entire life hunting these little Arkansas deer that weren't as big as a chocolate bob. Yeah, 100 pounds. And, uh, you know, I was just blown away. Our our feral pigs are bigger than the deer. (laughs) That they are. (laughs) That they are. We can kill a 250-pound pig easy, but to kill a a 150-pound buck is is a rarity around here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, it really is. And that's what, man, I'm a big big preacher of know-your-trophy. And, uh, and what I mean by that is, man, there's deer in Texas and, and there's deer in Oklahoma and there's deer in Arkansas and there's deer in, in Kansas and there's deer and, and there's deer that I would die to shoot in Arkansas and I would shoot it in a heartbeat and, but I would never think twice about shooting it in Kansas. And, uh, and you have to know where you're hunting and you have to know, you have to know the deer, the quality of the deer you're hunting in the area. And, uh, my best trophy on my wall here at the house is a, is a, a 120 deer. And, uh, you know, people walk in my house and they're like, man, you shot that. And I'm like, dude, that's an Arkansas. It's a giant. I'm like that's a giant. Get out. And, uh, <laughs> get out, get out of my house. And, uh, but no, and then they understand they're like, that's a big deer in Arkansas. And I'm like, yeah, I promise. Like, I know it's, it's hard for you to understand cause you've hunted in, you know, Iowa or Kansas or wherever your whole life. I was like, but that's a giant in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, to this day, that means more to me than any, any Kansas deer I've shot just because it was in that area. That's a giant. And, right. uh, so I'm a big proponent of know your trophy, know where you're hunting. Absolutely. We should, we classify deer here where we hunt. If it's a 200 class, that means he weighed a hundred pounds and he scored a hundred. <laughs> I love it. That's I love it. So we, if we shoot a, you know, a 250 class, we call it 250 class deer. He probably weighed 150 pounds, and his horns scored out of the hundred. So we classified it as a 250. I love it. <laughs> that's what that's what Pope and Young needs to start doing. That's it. Add the weight in there to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Then we can get them Arkansas deer and them Louisiana deer into the books. Now, I am a little conflicted because I didn't know you boys were LSU boys, and uh, so being a Razorback, I don't know that uh, I don't know that we can get along much longer. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's. Uh, we had a rough year this year, so. Uh, well, hey, listen, Arkansas sucks at everything, so we don't have many enemies. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I was doing good. Oh man, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Last week, 
uh, last week I had a guy on from Oregon and, uh, and he said, man, I went to Oregon state and I'm like, dude, don't even talk to me. I was like, cause the last time we was in the, in the world series championship, uh, we blew it against Oregon state and then they hit a walk off and we lost. Uh, no, but this year we're, we're doing pretty stinking good, man. Number one team in the country, uh, just moved on to super regionals. Of course, by the time this episode airs, uh, super regionals will be over, but, uh, just moved on to super regionals and, uh, looking forward to the rest of the season. But, but, you know, then, then you start talking the real sports football and stuff and, and, uh, yeah. we don't have any room to talk. Well, we had, we had. One of the one of the probably the best seasons that will ever come out of college football, you know, by going sixteen and zero and and uh, you having Burles as your quarterback. There's there's no it, after that everything's a letdown. So we are just prepared yeah. for ten years of, of 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 just getting wiped about Alabama again for the next ten years until something else good happens. See, listen, but that's the good part about cheering on a sucky team is because when we go, when we have a three-win season, we're like on cloud nine. Hey, and uh, I remember, like last year, I was talking crap, and somebody's like, "Dude, you won three games," and I'm like, "That's more than we won in four years." Well, so that's we, good. Yeah, we always pull for we we pull for Arkansas Razorbacks. You know, at least one time when you play Alabama, we're always. I have two favorite <laughs> teams, LSU and whoever plays Alabama. So yeah, you know, so we, you you do get our, our our vote at least one weekend out of the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one of my good friends, uh, one of my good friends. I'm not going to name him because uh, he films a TV show and everybody know who he was. But he's from Alabama and uh, he knows better not text me on that day, man. Uh, better not text me. <laughs> better not try to call me. And and uh, you know, heaven forbid, we're on a hunt together or something when they play because then it's it's all out. But. Uh, so, gentlemen, what uh, what do you guys got planned for this year? Any any big hunts? Are you guys hunting outside of Louisiana at all? Uh, we haven't had really a lot of time uh, to plan a hunt. Um, we would like to make some hunts. Um, uh, we've got a lot of invites of people saying, "Hey, we'd love to love to come have you hunt." Um, they they tell you that in the summertime. Um, now in the fall, when they, <laughs> when you call them, you know, That's a different story. You know, I forgot, or I, uh, you know, uh, I'm busy that weekend, so uh, we kind of, kind of haven't planned a whole lot. Um, uh, being honest with Dylan, I mean, the business has kept us so busy. Um, uh, we are enjoying the success of people like you that use the products. Um, we're we're happy for your success when you kill that Kansas buck. Uh, um, I, I'm, I've hunted for the last, um, uh, since I was three years old, my dad had us in the woods. So we've hunted 55 years. So my, my, my years of being angry at the deer are kind of gone. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't go out there every day going, I've got to kill one. You know, um, uh, I enjoy sitting in the deer stand with a, with a camera now, you know, yeah. while the daughters are now the daughters and, and uh, Megan and Colton, you know, they'll stack them up as high in the back of the truck as they can get them. And Daryl and I have to clean them. So that's, that's the issue is Daryl and I usually have to clean their deer. <laughs> so we don't want to go shoot anymore to have to clean more than we need, you know? So, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll go out and make a couple hunts. We would love to go on some hunts with you guys just to watch, um, you know, and observe. Uh, but we're honored when someone uses our products and they kill a deer and kill kill once in a lifetime using. Uh, hopefully next year uh, we're going to show that we'll have the feeders at the ATA show next year. Uh, so so you're the first guys that know that. And um, um, uh and the new cameras that that all the all the versions of cameras that we have, the new hunt control system, and all that stuff will be at the ATA show. And so that's what makes us happy is when it we have somebody walk us to us and say, "Hey, this thing worked and it worked very well." Um, yeah. But makes Daryl and I happy. Well, it makes me happy. Now Daryl may still want to go kill the deer. I don't think, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, Daryl called me the other day. Said, he, "In fact, I think when you said the camera wasn't working." He have a he had a camera said it was malfunctioning. Oh yeah, it happens. 
Yeah, he called. He said, the camera's not working. So I'm thinking, oh, no, we got a bad camera. And I look up, and he had like 18 hogs under his feeder. Um, <laughs> he Here's the challenge, the problem. He doesn't have hogs. They showed up, 18 of them at one time. Uh, oh, was, man. <laughs> so he said his, the camera's malfunctioning. He's getting somebody else's pictures. <laughs> They'll probably be hunting hogs. (laughs) That's awesome. Not awesome for you, but it's an awesome story. Yeah, really. Now, uh, before we move on, let me give a quick thank you to my friends over at American Hunt. American Hunt is a an online service uh, function, just like an Airbnb where you can lease land by the day. Um, So if I'm driving across the godforsaken state of Alabama and uh, decide (laughs) I want to hunt, I can log on, put where I'm at, where I'm looking to hunt, and uh, what I want to hunt, and and lists of properties will start coming up, and I can lease those land, uh, those properties by the day to go in and hunt them, and uh, so so just a really cool um, concept, especially if you know for the guy who wants to lease his ground and make a little money off of it, but doesn't want to give up the rights all year long, uh, you can put it up on there, and you can pick what days you know it's going to be available, and people can come in and lease your ground. Um, so whether you're looking to, to make some cash flow on your land or whether you're looking to hunt more properties, check out AmericanHunt.com because those guys got something going on. Um, now, I'm anxious to know uh, because I, I love me some Cajun food. Um, what's your best wild game recipe for some Cajun food? Uh, let's see. There's too many to try to pick one. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite because I like them all. Um of course, you know the back, the fried backstraps probably my number one, and uh, of course we've got the Cajun seasoning to put into in the mixture um, to make it even better. Um, but I mean, my wife does so much with 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 it, and it. I, I mean, the gumbos with the wild game in it, the jambalayas with the wild game in it. It it's just it's so hard to pick one. I, I we love to eat, and most people have to to eat to live but we live to eat and i I like them all there's nothing that i can tell you that's the number one i i would eat any of them every day jambalaya the gumbos uh the etouffees the the backstrap it's just the the a cajun roast i mean it's just all so good yeah there's yeah, there's a joke around here. You know, if Adam and Eve were Cajuns, that snake would have been eaten. Um, you know, so, <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, you have to understand. I mean, Croft is nothing like living in Louisiana, where you can go out in your backyard, shoot squirrels, shoot rabbits, you can um, uh, catch crawfish, uh, and eat that afternoon. Uh, there's just nowhere, no, no place like this. Uh, uh, in fact, we have a crawfish ball coming up in a couple weeks here at the office. And uh, uh, if you're in the area, swing by. We'll, we'll, you know, make sure you bring a lot of water because the crawfish, when we cook them, they're uh, they're pretty they're pretty spicy. Um, uh, they'll they'll stick with you for a few days when you eat them. Um, so uh, I mean, you have to understand. I mean, we're as Cajun people. I mean, we're the only guys you'll know if we go fishing. And the fish ain't biting. We'll eat the bait. So we're not too. Uh, we're not too. We're pretty much. We're pretty much eating anything. I like that. I like that. Um, now I did have a buddy the other day. He came to me freaking out, and he's like, "Dude, you've got to try this." I'm like, "What?" And uh, he's like, "It's called boudin." Okay. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean I got to try it? Like, you never had that before?" And he said, "No, I've never. This is. I've never seen this or heard of this." And I'm like, "Dude." You got to get out more, my friend. Um, yeah. You guys ever make that? You guys ever make it out of wild game? Uh, no, I've never made boudin out of wild game. No, I, I, there's just too many good places around here that sells boudin. And and we, I mean, because we live in the, the country where it's all made. So it's just too easy to just buy it every, already made. Every little store, every little store is uh, um, is a pro- meat processor. So everywhere you yeah, go. Every they, store. Every every store in here processes your deer meat, so uh, you, every, they all have they have boudin sausage, they have uh, uh, tamales, tamale, uh, uh, wild pig tamales. Um, so uh, 
pretty much anything you want, uh, you can buy at your local burritos. Store. Yeah, and it's all made out of wild game here. So um, uh, uh, we're looking at uh, um, trying to start processing our own next year, just to have the experience of buying the grinders and mixing different deer meat proportions with different wild hog or taking an axis deer and grinding it down and putting uh, beef fat in to find out what the consistency is. So we're, we're looking forward to doing that ourselves next year to kind of um, uh, come up with our own uh, kind of recipes to find out. But it, it'll be combined with some type of sauce or it's going to be combined with some type of rice uh, you know, and a gravy. That's just a staple that's got to be done. Yeah. No, uh, that's that's the redneck way of life right there, my friend. You got enough gravy on it, it'll work. Yep. Get your your, uh, biscuits and ready to go. Man, I'll tell you, something happens at the Oklahoma-Kansas line, and uh, you cannot find sweet tea anywhere. Um, It's like if you walk walk into a restaurant and you say, hey, I'd like some sweet tea, uh, they're like, well, we got tea, and you can put some sugar in it. I'm like, that ain't what I said. I don't want unsweet tea with sugar in it. I want sweet tea. And uh, they just don't understand it, man. They can't wrap their mind around it. But you go back to Arkansas, and and God forbid somebody say, hey, I want some unsweet tea. They're like, what? That sugar's already in there, my friend. You ain't getting that. I mean, you don't have that. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've gone to uh, Washington State before and ordered tea, and they brought it to me in a pot with hot water. Oh. I went, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> they don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, my my boss joked. My boss joked. I uh, at the Pope and Young convention. Um, I said, "Well, uh, they they were talking about uh, making stuff, uh, drinks." Um, and I said, "Well, I can partner. I can throw down some sweet tea." And they're like, "Well, we we've never had sweet tea before at Pope and Young." And I'm like, "Well, then you ain't never lived." And uh, so they joked. They said, well, "We're gonna have." Uh, he calls me Sweet Baby Ray, and he said, "We're gonna have Sweet Baby Ray sweet tea at convention." And I said, now slow down, dude, because if my mom hears that I'm claiming her sweet tea, I'm in trouble. Said, so you'll have sweet baby Ray's mama's sweet tea at convention, and uh, and that's what we'll have. And so if you need some good sweet tea, come to the Pope and Young convention, and uh, and I'll make you some sweet tea. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. my mom, my mom's a sweet tea maker. When uh, you almost can, you could probably you can you have a choice. You can either drink it or pour it on waffles. That's the. Um, uh, <laughs> Sweet. I like that. You know, so no. I mean, you drink with your meal or pour on the waffles. So when I, when I met my wife, uh, she was a Kansas gal, and and uh, when she came to Arkansas for the first time, I said, uh, said, oh, this is my mom's sweet tea, and she said, I I don't like tea, and I'm like, well, you've never had sweet tea, and uh, she said, no, I've had sweet tea, I don't like it. I'm like, girl, buying it at a gas station in a bottle is not sweet tea. <laughs> exactly. Try this, and uh, and I said. Sweetheart, there's more sugar in in this than a Coca Cola, and I uh, said so there's more sugar than tea even, and uh, so so she found the sweet tea she likes, and it's it's uh, it's in the South. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a uh, it's a staple around here. When you even even McDonald's has sweet tea here in the South, um, to just show you how uh, how popular it is down here. Yeah, no, you can you can get sweet tea um, like at our McDonald's here in Kansas, but uh, but it's not not the same you know it's, it's just not there um but uh gentlemen before we go um fred bear was big on his field notes and you guys have already shed a lot of tips and tricks on on trail cameras um but what's one field note you have for us over the years uh that you've learned and and uh that that myself and our listeners can take and and apply to their hunting uh styles and make themselves a better hunter with well i the, the the thing I guess that that uh, that helps us right now that that with our with our product is is the predictions, and and that that kind of helps us be better hunters and helps. Uh, we've had a lot of success stories with it too. The pattern pattern these deer with these with the hunt control system with our game cam cameras has been a game changer for not only us but. Uh, a lot of people that that has used our our products so i guess that's kind of um what really helps us be better hunters is we can actually start tagging a certain deer and due to weather conditions moon phase wind direction the list goes on barometric pressure i can actually pattern that deer 
And what's great about our product is we have proven factual data that all these old wives tales that, you know, when deer move, we have disproven those wives tales because of our factual data that we gaining with, with each picture that's taken. And we can take that data and predict when that deer is going to move again based on uh, the weather forecast that's coming up, say, next week. You've got a front coming. Barometric pressure is this. Uh, winds out of the north or whatever it may be. And that's when that buck moves the most based on all these facts. I was hoping you was going to say, if you don't catch fish, eat the bait. <laughs> True, and that's that's the main thing right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. My son would appreciate that because, um, man, he he's more obsessed with the worms than he is the fish. And uh, <laughs> I actually had to go out and get him. Um, you know, I need to start a segment on this show called, like, Tucker's Wild Ride or something like that because that boy is insane. Um, he's, only, he's about to be three, and uh, just right before we hopped on the phone, I had to go out and find him in, in, in the back, and I was out there yelling, Tucker, where you at? And, uh, and I find him digging in a in a dirt pile, and I'm like, dude, let's go inside, man. He said, dude, I'm finding worms, and uh, and I was like, man, I don't want to make the kid come inside because I'm proud of him, but at the same time, you got to come inside. <laughs> so yeah, right. I was a little torn. Yeah. yeah, but 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 I'll uh, I'll I'll help uh, and close out and tell you what my idea of, of, of tips and tricks are. Is, is I've learned that um, sitting in the stand is a great time to do two things. One's to hunt, and one is to communicate the creator of the, of, of the outdoors that you are enjoying. And we, as a company, use the songs of Be Still. And that's what we do as a company. We, 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 we be still and wait for the sign. Just like you in the deer stand, you, you be still and you watch and you wait. So at 60 years old. Be still and know that I am God. I uh, One of my friends, Jeff Danker um, of Buck Ventures, I saw a video of him not too long ago and they were praying over their dinner. They were at an outfit there and and he's praying over his dinner, and he said, Lord, we know everything comes in your time, but tomorrow looks real good. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so we, as our company, we have, we have adopted that as our, our, as our logo uh, is to be still. And, and when we go out in the woods, we need to be still. There's so much going on in this world now. We need to be still. And, and and look around and absorb what the good Lord has created for us and to enjoy it. And if he decides to bless us with a nice trophy buck, fine, or a four-point, we're happy with that too. And so um, th- that's one thing I would I would say from our side, from our heart to, to your listeners, is that, hey, hunting is a great outdoor adventure, but take time and be still. 